Well, now on Sunday night, Professor Ori Salters of Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. He was in Australia last week and was able to spend an hour or so with us talking about spirituality and the fine arts across the Christian, Jewish and Islamic traditions. And among his most recent books are Fixing the World, Jewish American Painters in the 20th Century, Our Sacred Signs, How Christian, Jewish and Muslim Art Draw from the Same Source and The Ashen Rainbow. Essays on the Arts and the Holocaust. Gives you some indication of the wide interests of the man joining us now, Ori Soltis. Welcome to Sunday Nights. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, John. Ori, I've got to ask you a question. You're somebody who spent much of your life looking at art and the way it informs some of our deepest longings. Yes. Yet we seem to be in an era where the question of the deepest longings sort of gets dismissed as a sort of, yeah, that's a side issue you can sort of pursue in your spare time. Mm -hmm. You ever get deeply frustrated (laughs) by the course in life? Well, yes, I guess sometimes. But, um, you know, all I have to do is look to, to certain places like New York, forgive me, as an American, but New York, and I see all kinds of extraordinary artistic enterprise going on and uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged. It's going on. There's an audience for it. Um, I know my students, many of whom will take a course with me where they didn't think they had an interest in art uh, or an awareness that art has a connection to spirituality, let's say. Um, second, third week, you know, they'll come up to me and say, wow, you know, this is great. I didn't know about this stuff or I didn't even know that I liked this stuff. So... Um, of course, maybe I live in a bubble being in the northeastern portion of the United States. I don't know. What drew you into into this exploration? I have to tell you, quite frankly, an accident. Uh, the younger sister of uh, my high school girlfriend called me up and needed some help translating some materials from French that pertained to a collection of slides, all art-focused, that had been given to a major museum in New York, and I helped her out, and they ended up asking me <clears throat> if I would do some lectures with that stuff. Well, in order to do that, I had to learn something about it. So I read and I read and I read it, but the more I read, the more impassioned I became. And if I can be specific, the book on Italian Renaissance art by Hart, H-A-R-T-T, I consider to have been my professor um, because he really is so eloquent in expressing how one looks at art and uh, it's like I've never turned back. It's almost impossible to reference any part of what's called the sort of the Western tradition, whether mm-hmm. it's in art, literature, music, without being centrally concerned with spirituality. I think that's absolutely true. I mean, if you look back to the earliest works of art, the little statue five and a half inches tall, the Venus of Illendorf, so-called, or the Lascaux and other kinds of wall paintings in caves. This stuff going back 25, 30, 35,000 years, it doesn't take a huge amount to understand the spiritual underpinnings of those visual productions. And then you follow things through history, and you do have periods which are really aberrational, where the interest is purely an art for art's sake. But for the most part, right up to and including the last 200 250 years in Western art, spirituality, if it's not up front, it's hidden beneath the surface. And if you know how to read beneath the surface, you find it. You say, if you know how to read beneath the surface, are we in danger of losing that capacity? 
Yeah. I mean, it's, things are driving so fast that we can now go through a gallery and say, oh, that's beautiful, but be completely ignorant that, particularly if you're talking about the area you mentioned, Renaissance painting, right. there's a world of symbology behind right. that that has a huge richness and complexity behind it. We just sort of pass by. We can't know it. A- absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, my, my view of art is that you look at it at least on two levels, and one is purely aesthetic, and there's nothing wrong with that. I like this painting it moves me, it's beautiful, I don't like this painting, it's ugly, fine, that's, that's fine. However, as I will repeatedly remind my students, your experience of it is, is enriched if you can read beneath the surface, if you do understand the visual vocabulary, if you understand that it's not accidental that the virgin and child are encased in red, blue, white, sometimes green colors, because each of those has a significance, that just helps things. I was at the Museum of Contemporary Art here in Sydney just yesterday, and there was a wonderful exhibition of wonderful work, all of it untitled, untitled. And one of the the guards said, well, what do you think? I said, I love this stuff, but I feel like it's a bit of a cop-out when the artist untitles everything because I want a little bit of a clue as to what she had in mind, although I understand the legitimacy of forcing the viewer, in this case me, to do all the work if I need to interpret, because it's untitled. So I range back and forth between those two perspectives. You don't need a title, you don't need to be able to read the symbols, but it enriches your experience if you have some idea of what the symbolic language is, is all about. One of the things I've noticed about the sorts of things you write and talk about is a concern to say that this, this depth of spirituality uh, is something that is in all art traditions and you referred initially to Lascaux and those great Mm -hmm. cave paintings but you extend our horizons into the links between the Abrahamic traditions but then out into the Hindu and other traditions that here there is a common search absolutely and I I see what's the core of that um the core of it is what we are as a species and I suppose if I think of myself and my own career in the world of academia and outside the world of academia, if there's a a theme that is always there, it's about trying to help people think as opposed to simply either state facts or absorb facts or absorb opinions without thinking about them, activating our minds, but also thinking in as broad a way as possible, recognizing the common threads within humanity that extend from the Aboriginal population of Australia to the Catholic Church in Rome to, and you can name it, add anything you want to that list, and it will have common themes because we have common needs, we have common ideas, we express them in different ways, our particular vocabularies, whether in religion or in art, or the art of religion, may be different from here to there, but there are themes that connect us all the way across humanity. And they're across humanity because they're connected to our deepest common longings. That's correct, correct. Longings, hopes, fears. um, I mean, what is it that religion is about? It's ultimately about trying to connect us back to something that through most of human history, as far as we can find ourselves as a species, we have believed existed, something beyond ourselves and maybe gone further and believe that it has created us and therefore can destroy us, can help us, harm us, hinder us, further us, bless us, curse us, and our concern to survive, our concern to move on, 
our concern for immortality in one way or another, realizing that the role of humans in the standard manner is that we are mortal, we die. But is there something of us that continues and you can find across our history as a species the concern for that and it connects to our concern for some other being or beings who are perceived by us to be immortal? How can we be like them? How can we never be like them? And so on. Whether or not you have some understanding or belief in a transcendent creator Mm -hmm. or interventionist God or whatever, that very word religion says something else too. Essentially it's about the binding together, not just physically in the here and now, but through time. It's about the sustaining power of community. Mm Mm-hmm. And that art, trend, art takes us absolutely through absolutely. that door. The, the heart of the word religion, L-I-G, L-vowel G, a Latin root, means binding. So you are exactly, you hit the nail on the head. It's about binding us together as a community. What separates this community from that are particulars that are also about binding us to that other reality. And so this community understands that the path to God is this way, and that community understands that it's that way, but what they share in common is this notion that there is and there must be a path that binds us to God. There are exceptions, just as there is the art occasionally that is really just about art and isn't concerned about the concerns of religion. There are times and places across human experience, including the present day, where there are individuals who genuinely defy that kind of concern, who say there is no God, period, and there is no immortality, period. Epicurus says, you know, you die, that's it, end. Therefore, you shouldn't be afraid of death because there will be no you to suffer afterwards, deprivation because you're no longer alive. But those are the exceptions, but there's an exception to everyone. But they're still concerned about the binding of people. They sure are. The binding of people. Yes, they're still concerned about the community of humankind or a subset of that, yes. If I stand in front of a Giotto fresco, so mm-hmm. Giotto is You're reaching lucky out man, to then. me. <laughs> or Giotto is reaching out to me and saying, there are things I want you to learn. Yes. Go back to that problem we just touched on. Are we losing the capacity in the present era to hear what he's saying, to see and understand what he's saying? I think that it, it will. There are probably, percentage-wise maybe, fewer of us who are trained, maybe, to think about the sorts of things that Giotto ideally would have you think about. You go into the Arena Chapel, the Scrovenia Chapel, and it's not just the spirituality that you understand precisely from the symbols and the colors, but the eloquence of the way he is a revolutionary in turning figures in space so you see their backs and there's something extraordinary about it i mean he begins the modern notion of who we are as humans that's that, right doesn't he? He, that's he, right he begins to treat the painting as having a soul almost yes in, in, a, in a way but, but let me in, jump with you to the series of the Rouen cathedral in the 1890s about 30 paintings that monet does right It's not about the cathedral. It's about the fact that you don't see the cathedral the same way twice 
as your eye's focal length changes in accordance with the light this time of day, that time of day, this season, that season, clouds, not clouds. So it's actually about light and the ethereal, evanescent quality of this substantial piece of architecture. And the irony is, so it's not about the cathedral. So in that sense, it's not about religion. But think about what light and clouds and everything else are about. If one is a believer, it's about spirituality, just it's not about the cathedral necessarily. It could be haystacks because he does the same thing with haystacks. So you've got that different kind of conception from Giotto's. And let me take one step further and, you, and, and throw Jackson Pollock in 1950 with these explosive abstract canvases and the critics say, oh, it's just about form, it's about color, and it is about those things. You stand in front of those Pollocks, you feel like you're hurtling into it because of the way with his energy he threw colors in a particular kind of sequence consciously or unconsciously, that causes you to feel depth. But at the same time, those canvases come in the aftermath of Auschwitz, Birkenau, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, which come in the aftermath of the Great War to end all wars, a period of 50 years, in short, of immeasurable destruction of humans by humans. You cannot tell me that that vast painting you're staring at without a frame so there's no separation in the literal sense between the edge of the painting and the outside world is not also reflecting a kind of concern for what we are and where we're going. The 20th century is yeah. about a fractured psyche. Yeah, yeah. And art reflects that. Exactly. You're on Sunday night on ABC Radio around Australia through Radio Australia and via the web to the world. Our guest is Professor Ori Soltis of Georgetown University in the United States. We're talking about art, the Western tradition, and other traditions, and spirituality. Uh, Ari Soltis, let's uh, extend it a little wider. We've talked about the Western tradition, but uh, Mm -hmm. you're interested in other traditions as well, and you see the Abrahamic traditions, and it's it's interesting, particularly with Islam, that its approach to art has been to say, well, no, the human body is out of the picture, but art can speak to us with depth and with warmth and with humanity, even removing the physical body from it. Now, that's an extraordinary challenge for artists. Yes, yes, it is. Of course, if you're part of a particular tradition which typically uses abstraction rather than figuration, then you'll be used to it. But someone who comes from a figured tradition trying to understand the importance of that work of art may have difficulty. Um, In Islamic art, for example you have a very rich use of geometric forms. Geometric forms contrasted with vegetal forms, whereby the vegetal, you could say, stands for God because it's the natural world that God created. Exactly, the geometric forms for humanity because we create them. But on the other hand, the irregular forms of the vegetal could represent humanity, whereas the perfect forms of the geometric represent divinity. So in fact, what you have is a picture, pun intended, of those two realities interwoven with each other. And you see that in uh, architecture as well. Oh, in the Muslim for tradition. sure. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, absolutely. The, the monumental dome, let's say, okay? But the dome form is overrun with some sort of an abstract decoration, which is infinitely small, first of all, because all of those details, so they represent us and the monumental form of the dome represents God. But at the same time, 
the infinitizing quality of those tiny, tiny, minute details represents God because they're infinitizing and the dome which actually functions as a frame that prevents them from going on and on and on and on represents us because we are framed. Yes. It's the shape is organic. Yeah. It's, yes. it's round and it's warm. Yeah. There's yeah. something Roundness is always associated with warmth in some yes. way, isn't it? Yes. It, if you take something, let's take an example, like the Blue Mosque, mm-hmm. people will just stare in awe at that. Yes. Yet again, much as we are losing the capacity to read the symbols of depth in Western art, where we lack the capacity to read what the Blue Mosque is saying to us beyond mm-hmm. that immediate impact. Yeah, absolutely. Is this a problem we're now confronting really across the modern world? That is, that everything is coming at us at such a rate that we're confined to the horizontal. We have mm-hmm. no time to look at depth. And are we here at risk of losing the very things that you say is at the profound essence of art, that is, contact with the numinous in some right, way? Right, right. Well, I guess if, if on the one hand there is that danger, on the other hand, we have the advantage in the contemporary world of the kind of media that make it possible for the exploration of these kind of ideas to be disseminated virtually immediately, well, well, well beyond, let's say, the college campus, you know, the university. So you've got a classroom of 20 people and they're intensely into this and nobody else cares about it. You have the possibility of there being 2 million instead of 20 people out there hearing about this stuff. It's so the not, digital all revolution lost. does hold it, some element yeah, of promise. Yes, yes. <laughs> it, all, all is not lost. All is not lost. How do you see the role of people such as yourself then in helping this preservation mm-hmm. of this, this use of, of art as a search, a venture for meaning. If I can help people think about these things, if I can help people be aware of, of the history of humanity and the breadth of humanity as it pertains to art and what art has always done, then that's my role. It's the role that I play in the classroom. So in both a self-negating and a self-promoting manner, the more that I personally would have the opportunity to have my thoughts about these things, and it would not just be me, it would be other people who think about these things disseminated by way of the digital reality, the better. You are also, though, as a human being, concerned at core with the message behind Yes. Those images. Yes. Those structures. Yes. What drives you in that arena? What What is the, the sort of guts of the message that you think is so profoundly important contained mm-hmm. in the symbols in front of you? Yes. That you want to communicate them? You think yeah. they're essential to us? Right. I guess two parts, two things. One, that there is a message, that it's not just sitting there with nothing to say. And two, the realisation that... What the message is, is in part a function of what I, the recipient, the viewer, the thinker, interpret that message to be, so that there can be different messages for different people, well and fine, what becomes dangerous, whether we're talking about art or politics or religion, or you name it, is, oh, mine is the only correct interpretation. The message as I see it is the only message, and all other messages are wrong. That's where we run into danger, but that's when we've stopped thinking. It's the danger of the echo chamber approach of yeah. that, that, in fact, 
the new media can deliver to us. That there's such a plethora of it that we only listen to the stuff that's on our wavelength. That's right. And that we miss the, the fact that there are perhaps people who've analysed this all around us mm-hmm. that we, we should be able to take advantage of. Yes. That's a challenge for what... Oh, absolutely. But, you know, it, it, it is a challenge. If one, one of my heroes, of course, is Socrates at the beginning of, of Western thought. The and gadfly. He, the gadfly <laughs> who perished because he kept asking questions. He kept bothering people with questions. But his disciple Plato says that Socrates said, look, the unexamined life is not worth living. If I'm not thinking, I'm not really being fully human because that is what separates us from other species. I'm tempted to leap here into the world of Donald Trump. If you insist. <laughs> because what we're talking about is a phenomenon that's, that's being critiqued across culture. Mm-hmm. That, that the, the creed occur that comes out of those who, who are genuinely suffering is being used by somebody who is using the media in a very selective mm-hmm. way, yes. relying on the fact that people are no longer looking at depth or knowing at depth or understanding at depth. Yeah, and I think people also, all people, tend to think from their own perspective. So the downside of that is you hear what you want to hear. So I hear in Mr. Trump's message, I who feel downtrodden, the uh, promise to uplift me, whereas in fact what I'm not really hearing and I'm not looking at his background and I'm not seeing his history, so I don't realize that in fact he has no intention of lifting me up. He wants to lift himself up because the message sufficiently sounded to me like what I wanted to hear that I completely shut my ears off from all the other elements that would nuance that message so I'd understand that it's not what I think it is. We started just with that concept of, yes. of, of the binding, that the, the, the great works of art help bind yes. us as communities. What for you then are the two or three essential elements of spirituality that are necessary for us to be fully human beings? I think whether or not we believe in that other, we have to continue to ask questions about what we are and continue to ask ourselves, you know, where is it that as a species we are going? Where is it that we've come from? And we can't ask where we're going, by the way, unless we've thought a little bit about where we've come Mm. from. So history, both in the broad and the narrow senses of that term, are essential Art history is just part of that larger phenomenon of history. Religion is part of history. It's all part of thinking about where we've come from in order to think about where we're going. The biggest danger to us as a species is when we do stop thinking. And it doesn't matter whether what impels our concerns is a fear of the hereafter or the fear of the here and now. It should be sufficient that we're concerned about what our children and our grandchildren are going to inherit here and not only what I'm going to find when I get to the other side and forget about my children and grandchildren. It doesn't matter whether or not ultimately what impels me is a God concept. It's essential to be thinking about what we are and what we can do for each other. It's what um, in the Turkish movement, the Hizmet movement, the service movement, what that thinking is all about, helping others. And the guy behind that movement, this guy Fethullah Gülen, about which I know some of your auditors have heard, his one of his comments years ago was, you know, 
people are serving God even if they're atheists and they're serving others. So he's a believer. So if you don't believe in God, he doesn't care if you're serving others because the emphasis from where he sits is, I, I love God by loving others, but if I don't believe in God, if I love others, I'm still doing God's work. So thinking about what we are and thinking about what we can do for each other. And, and, and art is even part of that process. What do I as an artist contribute to the repairing of a world that is broken by my work? And I think that's even what, as I said earlier, someone like Jackson Pollock has somewhere in part of his brain when he explodes the canvas before the viewer's eyes. Laurie Salter, been great to have you for this brief conversation on Sunday night. Thanks so much again for joining us. Thank you. This has been a podcast of Sunday nights on ABC Local Radio. Thank you for listening.